The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, member of the Wells, on April 26, 2015, based on Acts 20, verses 28 through 32. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God through which the Holy Spirit draws us closer to our Savior Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, is Acts chapter 20, verses 28 to 32. You have it printed on the inside of the bulletin. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. The American College Survey, or the American Freshman Survey, actually, is a survey, a questioning of incoming college freshmen that has been going on since the year 1966. An analysis of that data by psychologist Jean Twenge and her colleagues has shown an increasing percentage of students rating themselves above average in individual abilities like drive to succeed, academics, and self-confidence. And it's not that the students nowadays are all that more gifted than they were in the 60s and 70s. For example, although nowadays the students rate themselves more highly in writing ability than they did years ago, objective test scores have actually come down a little. And even though the students today rate their drive to exceed higher than average, much more so than the students did years ago, they actually study less. And so we see there how we often think more highly of ourselves than we should. So, are each of us special? Is each of us gifted? Each of us precious? The world tells us to think of ourselves in those kind of terms. And yet to say a blanket no to that isn't the right answer. On the other hand, a simple yes is, is only half the truth. And a half truth can be more dangerous than an outright lie. Think of how the devil used half-truths as he spoke to Eve and said to her, your eyes will be opened 
and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Oh yeah, you could say their eyes were opened after they disobeyed God. Their eyes were opened and they knew evil because they had become evil. But those half-truths covered up the lie that they would be like God. So how precious are you? Rather than listening to sound bites, let's listen to what God's word says. And when we turn to Romans chapter 3, words that the Holy Spirit gave Paul to write, the same Paul who wrote the words of the text here. In Romans chapter 3, we hear God declaring, all have turned away. They have together become worthless. And how strong that word worthless is. No value, no importance, no virtue, no excellence, worthless. But didn't God make each of us? Doesn't that give us some sort of natural value or worth? Well, maybe an example can help us here. Think of a bottle of wine, the kind of wine that some people would pay thousands of dollars for. How much is that wine worth if some ne'er-do-well poisons it? And so in the same way, even though all of God's work is perfect and good, yet from the very moment he created us within our mother's womb, sin completely corrupted us. Like poison, sin penetrated every part of our being so that we began life completely corrupted, completely ruined. By sin. We were empty of all good, filled with only evil desires. We confess with David, surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. How worthless. And what we do, what we do is useless when it comes to bringing us value or worth because all our works in and of themselves are worthless as well. Going back to Romans chapter 3, that, that passage continues. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So who we were did not make us precious. What we are by nature does not make us precious. And what we do cannot make us precious. And yet, as you listen to the word of God before us today, these words from Acts chapter 20, we cannot help but see and realize that God counts us as very dear and precious in his sight. These are words that the Apostle Paul spoke to the elders of the church of Ephesus. These were the spiritual leaders of the congregations throughout that large city. We might say today they were the pastors of the congregation. And, and listen to how Paul describes the people under their spiritual care. What, again, to use modern terms, how he describes the members of the congregation. He calls them, he calls you God's flock. And uh, taking care of you is so important to God that the Holy Spirit himself 
gives the shepherds and, 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 and pastors to watch over us and to oversee our spiritual well-being. In fact, he calls you God's church, which he bought with his own blood. How precious is God's flock. But do you see why we are so precious? Do you see where that value and worth comes from? It doesn't come from inside of ourselves. It doesn't come from uh, what we were or what we can do. It comes from the price that God has placed on us. And maybe a way to think of this is, is, is to think of an antique. What makes an antique valuable? It's not the material it's made out of. It, usually what it's made out of is worth only a couple of dollars, if that. And most art, antiques don't have artistic value. Their beauty is in the eye of the beholder at best. And, and now some antiques may have historic value. Those are sort of in a category by themselves. For the most part, the value of an antique is only as much as someone is willing to pay for it. If no one wants it, it's a piece of junk. If someone's willing to, make, uh, to, to pay a, a million dollars for it, how precious it is. Look at the price that the Holy God, the Almighty God, was willing to pay for you. Not gold or silver, not money or cash, but his own blood shed on the cross. The blood of God. The Father did not spare his own son. The son sacrificed himself in your place. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. He died for you. How precious is God's flock. How precious is each one of you, his sheep. But why? Why did he pay such a price for sinners like you and me? Again, the answer is not inside of ourselves. The answer isn't in what we have done or ever will do. For you see, apart from God, we are junk because of our sins. So why was he willing to pay such a price? Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. He is the gracious and compassionate God. He is the merciful Lord. If we had been in any way lovable, even in a little tiny bit, then it would not be grace anymore. If we had any kind of, of worth or value in ourselves, then it would not be grace that saved us. If there had been anything in us to attract God to us, even in the tiniest, that would disqualify grace because you see, grace is totally undeserved. 
God paid such a price for you and me, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. He is the gracious God. He has placed that price on you and me. He has paid that price by grace alone. How precious is God's flock. And so, dear friends, think about that when you look at your fellow Christians as well. For God has paid that price, that price of infinite value, not only for you, but, but for, your, your fellow peop, for, for your fellow sheep as well. When the world calls someone precious, it leads them to think that they are above average, a little bit better than the next person. But when we look at each other, see your fellow sheep, see that the Lord God paid that price, that price of infinite value and worth, not only for you, but for others as well, for each one of you. He paid that price. He put that value on each of us. Think about that. Rather than looking at your fellow Christians and focusing on their faults or lamenting about how they fall short, see them as fellow sheep purchased with the blood of God. Rather than treating your fellow Christians with indifference as you speed ahead with your own life, see them as fellow sheep purchased with the blood of God. And rather than ignoring someone who wanders away from Jesus and uh, becomes prey for the wolves, see them as a lost sheep purchased with the blood of God. How precious is God's flock. Yes, dear friends, how precious is God's flock. And so he, he protects his flock. He protects you and me. He protects us with his word, which brings us to the second part here. As the apostle Paul speaks to the elders of the church of Ephesus, he is convinced that he will not see them again in this life. He is thinking that way because the Holy Spirit has led him to go to Jerusalem, but the Spirit has also made it clear that prison and hardship await him there. And so he urges these shepherds to take care of their flock, to watch out and to be on guard. For wolves will come, wolves who twist God's word and, uh, and, and, and distort God's truth. Some of these wolves will come from the outside, Others will rise up from their own numbers. They'll be wolves in sheep's clothing, pretending to be part of the church. And so they need to not only watch over the spiritual well-being of the flock, but also over their own hearts and souls so that they're not led astray. And in all this, they can remember Paul's example as he worked among them for three years, night and day, teaching and admonishing them with God's word, teaching and admonishing them from the depths of his heart. And then Paul says to them, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Notice how Paul places God and the word of his grace right next to each other. 
Because you see, it is his word of grace that God uses to shepherd us and protect us. You, Paul cannot commit them to, to God and his protection unless he also commits them to God's word. And that's the first lesson for us to see in the second part. If we want to live under the good shepherd's protection, we need the word of his grace. Even Jesus, the good shepherd, said that my sheep listen to my voice. And where do we hear Jesus' voice? In his word. So make his word a part of your daily life. Cherish it in your heart and put it into practice as you live. Treasure the word of his grace. And, and notice how Paul describes that word, the word of God's grace. Remember what we said about grace earlier. God's word, the Bible, isn't a rule book. It isn't a, a guide to the seven virtues of life. It isn't some sort of owner's manual for living here on this earth. The Bible is given as the word of God's grace. And God's grace focuses us on who he is and what he has done for us despite our worthlessness. As you study God's word, Strive to know and learn and cherish his grace more and more. And the second point we want to take from this part here is that the word of God's grace brings us a double blessing. That word protects us both by building us up in the presence and by pointing us forward to the heavenly inheritance. His word builds us up in, 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 in knowledge and understanding so that we can recognize and discern who the wolves are. His word builds us up in faith and love so that we have the will, strength, and courage to stand firm on his word no matter how savage the attacks. It builds us up in, in, in faith and love so that we have the, the will, strength, and courage to also keep on following our good shepherd no matter how dark the valley. And his word builds us up in hope so that we remain faithful with our hearts focused on the heavenly inheritance. For you see, no matter how great our present suffering, no matter how heavy the cross, future glory far outweighs them all. And what a future glory awaits you who faithfully follow the shepherd listening to his word. What a future inheritance is waiting for you. But again, remember why a person gets an inheritance. It's not because of what they are or what they have done. It's because of the family they were born into. And God, in his grace, has given you rebirth into the family of his flock. In baptism, you were reborn as his lamb. You were reborn as an heir of heaven. That's how precious you are to God. 
So remain faithful. Remain faithful to your shepherd and his word. How precious is God's flock, purchased by his blood, protected by his word. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.